0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. My name is Chris Badgett from Lifter LMS, and I'm joined today by a special guest, Katie Ellenberger of Spark 27 Creative. She is a creative brand strategist, and we're going to get into all kinds of interesting topics that are going to be relevant to course creators, membership site owners, and really any business owner who's needing to get into design and branding and do things the right way and and find help and collaborators and even cheerleaders behind their mission and their cause. But first, Katie, thank you for coming on the show.
1: Thank you for inviting me.
0: What on earth is a creative brand strategist? What does that mean? I feel like branding (laughs) is often misunderstood or it's kind of abstract. Can you bring it down into reality of what you do at spark 27 creative and in terms of brand strategy?
1: Yeah. So as a designer by heart and by passion, um, design is a part of everything that I do and all things creative. And so by adding in, um, the creative brand strategist, it's really helping companies determine their strategy around their brand and, um, who their target audiences are um, their key messages, but then really into what kind of things can we design that are going to help and um, help them reach their goals really, and like where they want to go as a company, and what kind of creative elements can we can we do to make that happen
0: that 's awesome well, what are some of the the moving parts of that because there 's the strategy, but then how do you make it happen What are, what are the pieces
1: right, so we are a team of three. And we each kind of champion our our own areas, and there's a lot of crossover and collaboration. um, But really, this overall strategy kind of comes from our whole team working together um, and really ideating um, what we think would be best for your business, and then you know championing through design, um, through PR and media relations, and through digital and like that web that web aspect. So I think that they all three really work together um, and there's different like subcategories through each of those. You know, even PR has the press releases to um, the crisis communication, but the design there's there's logo and branding development, there's brochures, there's advertising, um, there's just all sorts of different different pieces for that. And then through the web, you know, you have websites and digital ads and digital marketing and paid media. So it kind of goes into this full, um, this full line of things that we can implement across, but um, really focusing on that design, digital, and PR um, to help your strategy.
0: That's great. That's really great. I I wanted to ask you, and I know you you also teach graphic design at Minnesota State University. Um, what is design, Because or what is great design? How do we, we kind of know it when we see it, but how do you deconstruct it a little bit and teach somebody about how to make great design or think about great design?
1: Yeah, so I teach a branding and linked identities um, course, well, two courses actually, to upperclassmen at Minnesota State University, Moorhead. Um, and really it's a collaborative approach. And I find that a lot of our Classwork is a lot of studio time a lot of one-on-ones a lot of small group which is really setting the stage for how we want them to work as designers in the future right to be able to work on a team to be able to build ideas independently but yet um really listen and appreciate the constructive feedback that they're given not only by me but by their peers um because that is just so huge um as a designer out in the world. Um, but just like being able to, to do it in a way that, um, to teach in a way that has an impact on these students that make them, you know, push the, that, push themselves to be better designers, to learn, you know, the, the tips and the tricks around typography and to really, um, you know, just be ready to be designers as a profession too. Um, So that's kind of like what I love about teaching design too, is also like seeing their, well, and seeing their like raw creativity too. And then how do they implement that? Like how do they build on these concepts? And then how do they produce it in a way that's meaningful and will stand out in the crowd?
0: That's awesome. Well, let's get a little bit tactical. Anybody out there listening when they build a website or they're starting their business, a lot of times, Initially, there's a lot of focus on the logo or the name of the business, but specifically the logo sometimes in my experience is where people, when they first start really getting into thinking about design for their learning platform or their business website in general, what are some do's and don'ts when it comes to creating a logo or working with a designer to create a logo that you've just, um, you know, learned over time?
1: Do's and don'ts so that's interesting um, you know I think it's it's there's a big difference between like the do-it-yourself logo that you that you love and you're passionate with um to working with a designer and I think a lot about the process of building that logo so if you're doing it as a do-it-yourself um I know everybody has different budgets um and that's understandable um but even approaching it from the same way that I, you know, approach a, a logo project for my students, right, is to be able to sketch those ideas out, um, to really push yourself past your first idea. Um, you know, in some of my projects, I you know require like, okay, do 20 sketches, fifty, and I've even heard some people doing 100 sketches, um, but really pushing past your first idea. Because what happens when, especially when you're do-it-yourself or you're learning the program, such as some students are, um, you go into the computer too fast. Right, you maybe don't know the programs programs as well as you should, and your um, you're going in too fast, and you get really attached to that idea because you spent three hours, five hours, whatever kind of hours it is, and it's hard to scrap that, right? And so by pushing yourself, just like quick little thumbnails, you know, get twenty five thumbnails out, um, and then take like your top five and go through a refining process. Um, and really like build it out with like a thick tip sharpie because one other thing I see from students and a lot of um, a lot of people that are trying to do this themselves is you're getting elements in your logo that are too thin to reduce down so what you need to think about the logo is what is it on a four hundred percent what would it look like scaled up on a billboard to so what does it look like at that twenty five percent on on a business card and that's something so, so so crucial cuz small text small lines um small any elements like that that can't be versatile on either one of those spaces are going to be hard and not successful and then think about also like where where is this going is it going to be online only like if you're building this course is it online only then maybe um your elements and transparencies and you know fun colors and gradients are working but if it's a logo that's going to trans uh, you know transmit it to, you want to embroider it on a shirt someday, like you better be able to have that all in black and white or in a one color or a two color version, um, without losing parts of that logo. Wow.
0: That was, uh, I learned a lot listening to that. Thank you so much.
1: Well, that was, sorry, that was a lot of information. No, that's wondering. good. That's I don't see- even know that I answered the, I didn't even get to the second part of the answer of, um, of what is it like working with a designer? <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, well. before we go to that, um, I just want to highlight what you said uh, about pushing past your first idea, because I think that is so brilliant. And, um, you know, uh, those of you listening out there, if you're an expert or a teacher, uh, or you have some skills that you want to try to turn into an online course, you can make the same mistake in a different way. You can jump right into your learning management system or your membership site tools and start trying to plug stuff into the structure. Um, whereas if you were to like hold off on, you know, picking up your software and, you know, loading up the course builder and Lifter your LMS or whatever you're using, grab a piece of paper and do a mind map and don't think linearly and just get all the ideas out of your head mm-hmm. before you commit and start seeing your course come together on the website. And then you get attached to it and you, you've kind of limited your creativity way down here when you just didn't, you didn't leave it loose and open or challenge your assumptions long enough. And I love how you talk about that in terms of design and branding. That's such a brilliant insight. That's such a good idea. Thank you for that one.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I've said this to many, many students over the past years and I even think about myself, like you're sketching and you're doing, let's say you're doing 25, you want to get to 25 sketches I guarantee you the one that you end up with is not that first one. Like maybe you're refining number two and number six and number 15, but maybe it's even that 20 or 25. Like the the ideas that you're getting to towards the end, once you've pushed past the bad ones, once you've pushed past other ideas and gotten some more creativity out are always going to be beneficial. And that's, it's so true that it's not just logos that that's important for, but a lot of different things.
0: That's, that's awesome. Well, what about, Um, Working with a designer, you know, you mentioned people have all kinds of budgets. If you're a scrappy startup and you can't uh, afford a designer right away, and you go with a text-based logo with a nice font and and pick some colors on your own, or or find a, you know, some kind of, you know, affordable logo design service that that is very templated or something like that. But if you get into like the more professional design arena, and you're working with a designer um what what do you how do you get the most out of that experience
1: um I think really just trusting in that creative process too um but finding the right person for you too and what 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 is their process and how do they involve you in it like I you know I truly believe in being a strategic partner with people um so I know there are a lot of designers out there that that are like, this is the way this is the way. And I think that there's like, there's a part of that because they are trained and they are experts. And so you do need to listen to their opinions. But I do believe a designer needs to listen to their client too, and really, um, really take their feedback to heart and see if you can kind of come up with a, a really good process together. Um, or, or, you know, re- have a really good, um, experience throughout that designer's process is really important to me. And that you know, that comes across with like really being client relations focused in my business too. But, um, just really listening to each other really is huge.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. That's a, yeah. Having it be like a team effort because the designer may not know. I mean, they definitely don't know as much about your business as you do, and you don't know nearly as much as about design as they do. So let's pull resources right. and trust them.
1: Any process. good designer is going to be going through a f- thorough discovery process and learning everything about, about that company. Or they should, right? Yeah. And that's where, like, I think different budgets are coming into play. You know, so you said, the I heard you say the affordable design service that is more templated. Like, they're not going to know everything about you. And that's part of that process. And that's part of what you know, in the, in the term, the, you get what you pay for too. Right. But at the end of the day, it needs to be a success on both ends. The designer needs to be proud of what they put out and they did a really great job with it. And the person, the client needs to be really happy and proud of that, that brand too. And it needs to be, it needs to speak to their audience too.
0: Yeah. And that's almost the most important piece. And so let's talk about that. Um, with a specific example. Um, so, it, a lot of people listening to this might be building an online course or a membership site. So they're gonna be involved in the digital part of the brand and building a website. Um, if we talk about, let's talk about both typography and colors or color palette. Um, what I see happening sometimes-
1: my heart, Chris. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so what I see happening sometimes is like, for example, at Lyft LMS, I'm on the technology side, so we have a theme called Launchpad. You can choose from over 600 Google fonts, and there's about, I don't know, 100 places where you can use a color picker to pick from, uh, you know, a million different shades of all colors or something. <laughs> uh, so in the in the wrong hands, you can create a really ugly site or a, a not a very usable site. Um, right. And what I see a lot of web designers or, um, you know, website building services do is they'll ask the the client, um, pick your font and let me know what your color palettes are or something like that. Or like, what do you want your your link or your buttons colors to be or something like that? But like in, uh, so if you were in a more high touch experience and also with a designer and keeping in mind that. The design is really meant for the end user. Like I may like Helvetica or Comic Sans or whatever, but oh, Chris. <laughs> my uh or Papyrus, wait, but
1: wait, 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 just put that other. <laughs> Never choose Comic Sans.
0: Right? <laughs> but my uh my customers, it's it's their experience of the brand that matters most. If I if I blue is my favorite color, but I'm in uh. You know, uh, a business that has a different kind of feel, like a you know, it's for kids and it's fun, it's playful. I might not want um, navy blue. So, uh, uh, let's talk about it. Like, where does typography and design come from, or, or typography and color palettes come from,
1: in specifically a web space?
0: Yeah, in a web space.
1: Yeah. Well, I think, um, okay, let's start with colors first. Um, that color picker you mentioned can be very, very dangerous. Um, and I, you know, I was actually even part of this panel that was discussing colors and they were talking about the web, um, colors in terms of like, I don't have time to go back and forth with the client to pick the right color blue, or I don't want to pick the shade of blue. But to me as a designer and this brand strategist, who's implementing your web, your web design after we've already determined is that that blue has already been determined and already yeah. been picked. And so you wouldn't be running through like, okay, change all these button colors because it's already been part of your established brand. Um, so I think that that's really important and um, a different feature maybe that my company does or than you know, some others but um, relying on resources to me is really huge. There's a lot of really good um, places out there that will help you pair colors together. So if you're in this like DIY space and you're looking for colors that'll match, you know, go out to Adobe cooler um, or go out to design seeds or go out to a few of these other places that are already pairing these like great colors and sending you um, what those RGB values are. And then what would those CMYK values be if you're going to be printing a business card or you're printing a brochure Um, because those colors will change. And one mistake I see a lot of people doing is they're picking this color um, on the web, which is like the RGB version. And then they're trying to print it out and it looks completely different. You know, any student that says to me in portfolio critiques of like, Oh well it looked a lot different on the screen and then i printed it out and i'm like no those those need to be like changed right away right so you need to be like looking at that across the board so relying on resources and looking at colors because you might pick navy blue but there's a lot of different versions of navy blue and then what how does that navy blue coordinate with the other colors. Like, are you adding enough contrast? Are you adding saturation or is there a color that's going to end up vibrating? Um, those are all things to really consider cause it's not just picking navy blue, not to me anyways, like there's very, very differing, um, skews in navy blue. And you can think about it like, if you're painting your wall navy blue, right? Like it's your, the navy blue you're picking from, there's a lot of different choices. Um, in terms of typography, um, legibility is huge i find a lot of people that are picking um in diy are thinking like oh this looks nice but like how are you pairing those together all right like don't use two serifs together don't use two sans serifs having a good um like a serif and a sans serif together or a headline and a script font with a sans serif and then how are those fonts that you're picking um really going after your market right so like what are if you were to describe your brand, what is it? Is it contemporary? Is it rustic? Is it um, old school? Is it retro? Like what are, what kind of font are you looking for? And when, you know, I think I have like 6,300 fonts on my machine, right? It's not just a font to a designer, right? Like that's a big choice for us. And so they be like thinking about what description words your brand is like needs to encompass or telling your designer that you're working with, like, this is how the overall feel that I want it to be. And like, then it'll help them pick the d- the fonts that'll fit that best, but legibility, you know, obviously number one, if you can't read it and you can't read their message. You know, anybody's going to leave your page.
0: That's really good. Um, I like what you're saying about out of 6,000 fonts, um, you know, you can tell when you see different fonts like, oh, that looks like it came from the, the West, like cowboy kind of thing. And if you're selling cowboy pearl snap shirts, that might be a good heading font for your website. But if you're right. selling medical devices, that might not be the best font to choose or something. You might want something a little more professional and modern looking, um, Let's talk well, about
1: hopefully you're working with a designer that's considering all of that. <laughs> that would be the ultimate goal, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause they can <clears throat> design as a language and um, I, I'm a self admitted, not the greatest designer. And I love learning from great designers cause they find words for things that I didn't know how to express, but that I felt before when, you know, experiencing a brand in some way. So I think that's why working with a great designer is so important because they give you a language and a way to communicate and even understand your brand or create a brand that is just going to work. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about color for a little bit. And this is, you know, I just, I'm just selfishly trying to learn from you what, <laughs> like, like I, th- I I see like bright, colorful, col- like I have a very elementary understanding of it. If If I see bright, colorful, um stuff i might be thinking of like okay this is for kids toys or you know whatever or kids book children's books website or something uh if it's all like blacks and whites and grays and silvers it's it it might be like super high-end elegant you know very expensive premium stuff um if it's red you know it's it might be like very Uh, edgy or masculine or something. I don't know Uh, if it's pink, maybe it's very feminine or whatever, but can you help um, me not sound like such a Neanderthal when I talk about colors? Like, how do you explain color to people?
1: Oh, that's, um, that's really tough. I think like approaching color when we're going into a branding, um, a branding project with a client is first we develop all of our logos in black and white first, um, as a rule, it doesn't, sometimes there are, you know, <laughs> know the rules to break the rules. Right. So um, you're getting we've... the
0: content right first, kind of, is that what the way?
1: Right. Because I think that yeah. color can ultimately sway a decision.
0: Okay. That's um, interesting. So See, have... I'm learning. I'm learning. Keep going. Yeah.
1: Like, um, I feel like this is a. I'm giving very general examples because there's always, yeah, the always the rule breakers. But generally, our process for logos would be to be developing in black and white, and then you know, giving three different versions, um, all based on those kind of like description words and like that discovery process that we went through. Um, one, we like to develop in black and white because it has to be, you know, not even just for the digital space, but for the print space. Um, we believe that it needs to be always to have that one color version. Um, and bold and thick and not too busy, like backing up to our other conversations, a, a lot of um, DIYers I think try to add so much to a logo, but when you're pairing it with a lot of other elements, a lot of other textures and other backgrounds and colors and photos, um, your busy logo isn't like save those, save those elements for um, for like other design areas of your, of your site or of your pieces, but, um, Okay, sorry, backing up. So uh, our process, it would be developing these three black and white versions and, um, and showing that to the client or talking through that. Um, that isn't always the case, um, but at least that's a good rule of thumb to like start where we're at or identifying like a color um, that your client really wants to stay away from. Like maybe it's a personal hatred towards orange well, if you had orange in any of your, and you never asked that question and you had orange in any of your logos, sometimes color can just sway the person of like, Oh, I don't even like that, that, yeah. that logo because that orange is, because that orange is terrible. Right. But, um, but really like the concept would have been strong. So I think that it's really important to pick your colors very thoroughly because it can really impact the, the client, but it can also impact your customers and, um, just make sure it's really fitting.
0: That makes sense and I, yeah. I've uh, I've heard some things like you know red and orange and yellow. these are the colors that like fast food companies use because it makes you hungry makes you think about food. <laughs> um, uh, like blue I think is like supposedly trustworthy or something like that right uh, yeah
1: and and I have a I know a restaurant that uh, we didn't work on that but um, that chose blue just because they wanted to be like setting themselves out. Different. you know, separating themselves. and But I'm like, but blue and food, like those just don't really go together. So I think that there's there's definite need for like pushing, pushing beyond the boundaries and pushing to do different things, but then, you know, still like considering why isn't blue used in the restaurant space as often. Um, yeah, things like that. So I just think color could be very impactful.
0: Can you provide some general tips around Uh, I guess the word would be rebranding. Like, so for example, if you're a scrappy course creator membership site builder and you don't have a lot of extra resources and you launch your site, it's doing well, people are in your course, they're buying your membership or whatever. um, And then you're like, okay, I kind of hacked it together. I chose colors. I, I picked a logo that I've made myself. um, But I want to do a rebrand. how, What do you recommend in terms of rebranding? Is it any different from like just branding from the beginning or considerations when you're doing a shift? Like, uh, could you just speak to rebranding a little bit?
1: Yeah. And I think that rebrand process really starts with the why, right? Like why is it because you, you know, your logo isn't being effective.
0: Let me give Um, you a, uh, let me give you a specific example. Yeah, Okay. So at Lifter LMS, um, branding is, or in design is not our strength. Our strength is more in functionality and business and like kind of teaching through the internet. Like these are our skills. Design is not, uh, not our highest skill. We need more design help. When we started, we first launched, this is a Lifter LMS. If you're uh, listening to this on a podcast, uh, I'm just holding up a coffee cup in the video that has our, uh, we just have a Helvetica um, Lifter LMS um, logo. We've got a space theme. We've got a rocket that's our, our, uh, our um, logo, basically. And that icon, the rocket, is very something that lots of companies in the software space use. And we've, we've, <laughs> we're committed. We have products named after a space kind of theme. But we've mm-hmm. thought about doing a rebrand. And we really want to develop a more unique logo and invest in it. So just using that as an example, like if we're like, man, we're we're just getting tired of this rocket. We go to conferences, we see like other booths with rockets and we're like, oh. <laughs> so that's where it starts with us. But then what would you recommend?
1: Yeah. So I think there's two things. One are, you guys might be sick of the rocket, but as your clients, right? Are they seeing the same things or if they're seeing these other rockets, are they, are they able to recognize whether it's a lifter rocket versus another rocket? Like that's (laughs) one thing to consider. Um, but there's two things with rebrands. There's one of like, okay, we're going in an entire different direction. So if you guys lost that rocket, like would you have, you'd have to change a lot of your different programs. Right. So there's that rebrand of like, well, we were really trying to move and position ourselves in a different way. Um, or you're rebranding from your rocket and you're taking more of the approach of, um, adjusting the rocket to make it a little more unique or a little more simplified um, or a little more designed is another part of a rebrand. So really kind of going through that, but still, I think that's like determining your why, right? Like, why do you want to do this? How will this impact um, your users and your end users and your overall look? And then um, really kind of going through just this like audit of like, what's working and what's not. And, and that's going to be determined, like with your rebrand, it's going to be determined your colors and your textures and your, the type of photos you're using and as well as just your logo.
0: That's, that's awesome. I really appreciate that. And, um, we are going a little long. I hope that's okay with you on the time. Are you good for a couple more minutes? Yes. Um, good. Could you speak to a little bit what you mean by texture? You just threw that in there, but is this like rounded corners versus... Hard corners or shadows? What is a texture in digital?
1: Oh, um, I guess I just mean more like uh, other design elements, right? Like if you're on a digital space, does that block of color only need to be yellow? Does that only need to be blue? Um, Are there other things that make sense with your brand um, that you can add in? You know, I'm thinking like rockets, you've got like the different kinds of smoke, or is there um, other kind of elements of texture? And when I say texture, it's like, Design elements that you can add in that are really just gonna emphasize your overall brand, but really from like a cosmetic standpoint. So it's not all just that very flat color, but what is that other dimension and that other layer that's just going to um add a lot more dimension to your work?
0: That's awesome. That Um, makes sense. (laughs) I have a couple more selfish questions to ask you before we wrap up.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um uh what I'm just thinking about this issue of a personal brand versus a corporate brand or whatever. Um, Do you like, what is your stance on it? Like if you're, you like to advocate for the entrepreneur Um, entrepreneurs are often building a company, but they might be a company of one, or it definitely starts that way and their personal brand is a part of it, but maybe over time um, you know, they're transitioning more to a corporate brand but how do you decide like in the beginning or just as you strategically think about the future of what kind of brand am i building is this a personal brand or a corporate brand or do i need to care about both how do you can you speak to those that that dichotomy there
1: <laughs> i probably have a a bit of an interesting uh answer to that question, Chris. I mean, I feel like you're kind of speaking to my origin story of how I got going owning my own business too, um, from kind of doing this business. Um, I mean, I was always a designer and I always worked as a design and strategy, um, but kind of built my business as a side hustle. Right. And mm-hmm. I, and I joke that like side hustle people either love or hate that word, but like in my situation, like I had no other, you know, no, I have no other term for it, really, Um, because I was, I was working full time and I was raising a family and I was working on the side to build my business. Um, And so for me, and I don't, I don't, I hope this is applicable to the people that are listening to it, it was, it was building my customers right? It was building my audience. It was building my following. It was building my client list that was huge. And that was even before I could work on my own brand, you know? So while I was working full time, you know, we were allowed to freelance, but, um, we weren't like, we weren't promoting ourselves. we never had our own website. Um, and so when I kind of announced to my clients, like, Hey, I'm going to go full time. It was just like this, like dump of work. Like they were protecting me in a sense, like we had built this really strong client relationship and they knew that I was doing this on the side at night, um, on weekends and stuff. And so when I finally said like, okay, I'm committing, I'm going to do this full time. It was this dump of projects. And I think like six months later, I finally was able to take a breath I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't even have my own logo or my own website. Like I'm, um, I'm constantly building all of these things and all of these branding campaigns for all of my clients but not my own. And I think though, that is a little ridiculous. Um, it makes a lot of sense for, um, for who I am and who um, and my client relationships too. And I it did kind of always put them first. Um, so <laughs> I'm kind of getting on a long tangent here. Sorry, Chris. Um,
0: ah. Well, so just the uh, the dichotomy between the personal brand and the corporate brand. So did you, did you start? Oh yeah, as... the, the,
1: the switch of it, right? Yeah. So the, um that building up, like I see a lot of people that are so overwhelmed with like, I'm going to be building this. I want to build this. But if you don't have people to sell it to, where is it going? And I guess that's sorry, I got a little little distracted there, Um, but that's where I was going. It's like I had people to sell it to, so my personal brand was a little bit less important, right? Like I had I had that client list, so you could spend months and months trying to protect or perfect that logo and that content and that design. But if you're never going to end up launching the course, then who are you selling it to, right? So it's a mix of getting it out there, and then you know when things are successful, then revisiting that that brand and that's the same thing kind of thing that I ended up having to do right so finally like it was successful as a business I had clients to sell to and then I ended up reworking like okay now I understand where my content needs to lie and what my design needs to look like
0: that makes a lot of sense and we talk a lot about that uh, in a similar way with creating a pilot version of a course or pre-selling and validating Mm -hmm. it uh, before you actually go big and build a whole learning management system with lots of courses and membership levels and all this. Um, so the brand can evolve with time. I mean, when we first started Lifter LMS in 2013, um, <clears throat> we used lead pages to uh, create a single opt in landing page to see if anybody was interested. We did not, we just, I don't think we didn't have a logo. It was just some words. No, Not a single line of code had been written. That was the beginning. And we just used the blue and yellow that was in the lead pages. And then uh, (laughs) we did a launch. And when we first launched, we got 42 customers. And then from there, over time, we would just keep evolving the brand. But I think that is a really important point to like, Make sure you've got enough momentum and your idea's right, and you've kind of pivoted it to ultimately where it's going to be before you go really strong into branding. Because you 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 don't want to do too much too early and then change what you're going to do or change the brand or who it's for or whatever. So
1: well, and that evolution is probably part of every business. I feel like. Um, So if you got it, if you have all of your stuff set up, and you think like this is perfect then maybe you're not going to be ready or prepared for change. If you go into it knowing like, this is really great for where I'm at right now, but in a year we're going to revisit this. Or in six months, we're going to try to be able to hire somebody to help us. Or um, really just like embracing that change and being ready for that kind of evolution. Because I don't feel like you know, at some point that's perfect because three years down the road, the whole entire web industry is going to be changing and there's going to be different trends to be, to be watching for.
0: I've got one more design question for you before we wrap up. And it's, <clears throat> it's kind of a really specific niche question, but I've always been fascinated by characters in branding. So like uh Geico has a, the lizard, um, you know, different products sometimes have a, uh, a character. What, like, when does it make sense to have a character and what is the function of that? Is that like a way to, you know, give it kind of a personal brand, but it's imaginary. Does that, can you just speak a little bit from your perspective, like, about these fictional characters that exist in brands? Like what, where does that come from and what purpose does that serve? I'm looking for you to teach me like some language around that.
1: Right. So I also feel like this is maybe your question of like, should we remove the rocket ship and add in a character?
0: (laughs) That is actually also my question.
1: <laughs> you know, Chris, I really wish I had a better answer for you on the characters and when it makes sense. Um, a lot of the businesses that I work for are more in that corporate space or healthcare. And so you don't see a ton of kind of that character, um, that character niche that's maybe more around Consumer. products yeah, a little bit or maybe more driven around advertising. You know, you mentioned Geico, that's very advertising driven, um, which then, you know, what I can talk to you about is like, you see it on the ads. And then when you get to their website is there's like continuity between that as a brand. Right. And so I think continuity across all of those different mediums is incredibly important. Um, and I think that all the people that are building courses on lifter LMS and, um, Or looking for branding advice is just making sure that you're using that same like continuity with colors and and everything across in your content but i wish i had a better answer for you for characters and now i feel like i'm gonna have to like do more research and we're gonna have to talk again
0: well you did a ninja move and you brought it over to continuity because i'm guilty as charged where i've done (laughs) i've done facebook ads i was in a hurry i grabbed some stock photography or whatever and (gasps) You know, the click through, it it just, there wasn't, it was incongruent, I believe the word is. So uh, I I think that consistent, whatever you do, be consistent. I think that's key. And if you're going to rebrand, you got to rebrand all the way.
1: Uh, And, you know, you know, you mentioned stock photography and, you know, maybe there's a time and a place, but in, in my business, uh, we try to be as original as possible. And um, I preach that a lot to my students at MSUM um, is that, as a designer um, going out and taking your own photography or working with a photographer, um, you feel maybe a lot more like um, satisfied with your end result and knowing that you had much more of an art direction role in that photography. Um, So obviously I can't say never use stock photography, but I think that's, you know, one aspect of what can you, what can you do or what can a designer add that's original too that adds, co- and then that you can take them through all the different pieces.
0: That's beautiful. Um, Katie Ellenberger, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming on the show and sharing your wisdom with us. We're definitely going to have to do a part two because I can tell we just like crack the seal on your knowledge. And uh, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of design wisdom in there that uh, we're, we're going to get more out of you in another episode. If, if you'll have us. <laughs>
1: But, absolutely. Uh, Thank um, you for uh, asking asking me to be on, Chris.
0: Yeah. So if you're resonating with all this and you want to find out more about Katie, check out Spark27 Creative. Um, is there anywhere else people can find you on the internet or places they should go if they want to connect with you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, all the social media, right? So at Katie Ellenberger on Twitter. You can find me on LinkedIn, on Instagram. Um and yeah, spark27creative.com uh, definitely will get us connected. And I hope that something I mess- or, you know, mentioned today was inspiring and can help all of your, um, your, your lifter clients or whoever's listening to this podcast, um, you know, to be able to make some changes and to be inspired to use, you know, creative original ideas and to build your network um, that you're comfortable getting feedback from.
0: Well, thank you for coming on the show and helping inspire all the education entrepreneurs out there. We really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Chris.